Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3 to 9 scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at rightonoptics.com. That's right on R I T O N optics.com. On today's episode, I talk with a special guest about hunting land access for all, how it affects conservationism, and our ability to do what we love most. Stay tuned. Hunt, 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 Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and today I talk with special guest Eric Dinger of Powderhook. We discuss hunting land access and Powderhook's resolution to the cancer in the hunting industry, which is access to hunting land, whether it be private land, lease land, conservancy land, public land, you name it. Powderhook has the uh, ability to help people find and access land much more easily than without it. And ultimately, uh, statistically, it seems that people get out of hunting because they can't find and or access land easy enough, or people tend not to get into hunting for the same reason. And I've heard of people stop, I've heard people stop hunting for that very reason. I also know enough people that haven't gotten into it, um, partially because they don't have anyone in their life that would have gotten them into it, but having a peaked interest in it, it ends up being too arduous and difficult for them to pursue how to figure out where to go, what's permissible, what's not, you know, among other things, obviously, but that's a, that's the big one. So pretty interesting conversation that you're going to hear, uh, with Eric of Powderhook pretty excited to let you guys listen. So uh, without further ado, here we go. All right, we're going to go ahead and welcome uh, our guest on for the day. We have uh, Eric, help me make sure I'm pronouncing your name correctly. It's Is it Dinger? Yep. Perfect. I should have asked that ahead of time. I'm pretty bad at that stuff. But we have Eric Dinger with uh, Powderhook on, on with us today. And uh, we have a slew of questions we're going to go ahead and ask you um, to go ahead and kick off. Tell us, tell the audience um, about yourself, your hobbies, your hunting background, that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah, do that. Well, thanks for having me, Eric. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my background in, in the story of the powder hook kind of mixed. Um, I spent the first 15 years of my life in uh, South Dakota. I lived in a tiny town called Redfield, and it's in the northeastern part of the state. And all my family and everybody is kind of from that area, um, between Redfield, Aberdeen, and up by the Sand Lake Refuge, for any of your listeners who are familiar with South Dakota. That's where um, all of my family comes from. And so I spent most of the first part of my life hunting and fishing with my dad and Colton cousins. And uh, about uh, while I was going into my eighth grade year, uh, we moved to Minnesota. And my dad ran an elevator in Redfield. And when we moved to Minnesota, we moved from sort of the nest of hunting and fishing access to a place uh, in southwest Minnesota that uh, was really, really heavily farmed, and we didn't know any of the farming community. So it went from hunting a lot, uh, you know, just easy afternoon, after school, before work kind of stuff with Dad, to not hunting nearly as much. And, you know, maybe some part of that is being busy with athletics and things like that in high school. But uh, I think a lot of it had to do with a lack of access. And and, uh, so I then came down to Nebraska for college and went from having some access to having almost none and 
in the same way that happened from from Redfield to Laverne, Minnesota, my my hunting days uh, went down again, and so uh, that problem really always kind of stuck with me. Um, I graduated or start, started a business in college actually that uh, ended up selling um, at the end of 2012. Um, it was a digital ad agency, and uh, from there was just kind of in a position to make an investment and, and try and start a, a business that is more in line with what I care about most, which is the outdoors. And so hunting and fishing have always been a, a big part of my life. Um, I probably am a hunter first. Uh, I'd rather be pheasant hunting in a CRP field or cattails in South Dakota than probably anywhere in the world. And so, uh, That's cool, man. <laughs> you know, with a young family and a startup, uh, I actually gave up golf actively, proactively got rid of golf uh, outings on my calendar this year. And I have limited the things I do in my free time to hunting and fishing outside of being with my family and working. So, yeah, for uh, for me, the outdoors are as much a part of me as anything and, and definitely my passion. Yeah, it's in your bones. I can hear it. Yeah, it's what I do. Yeah, when a passion drives <laughs> you, you can do big things. Um, and and the, the big issue that you're trying to tackle um, is, is big, right? Like it's not it, – it's kind of – based off of um we were talking about before we start before we started the show how there seems to be some innate nature of people where they want to kind of hoard uh some some access and then your your what you're trying to do is really bring people into making it easier to access land to hunt is that correct right yeah so access uh from the beginning when i was i was kind of searching around the industry for what, what was the industry struggling with and i came across this problem people kept referring to as the access problem and, you know, at, at first, the way I understood the access problem was, geez, it sucks to try to find a place to go. And for many of your listeners, especially public land hunters, they could probably relate to how difficult at times it can be to find a good quality place to go sit your butt and yep. shoot turkey or whatever. And, yep. and, and that was kind of my understanding of it. And then as I got into the industry and have become more aware of how everything works, what I realized is that access in many ways chokes our industry. Um, our industry, due to what's called the North American model of conservation, uh, is self-funded, meaning uh, when we buy hunting and fishing licenses or when we buy gear that we use to hunt and fish, we are actually the uh, the progenitive money that sustains the industry. Almost 80% of the money used to, to fund public access programs and state parks and, you know, fishing areas and, uh, you know, boat docks and think about all the, all the stuff that's out there that, that's maintained by public money. All of that money comes through license sales or, or taxes uh, paid on hunting and fishing gear. And so not having access in many ways cuts down on how many people buy licenses. It certainly has in my life cut down on how often I go buy a new box of shells or, you know, new arrows or, or you know, any of the gear that I use. If I can't go as often, then you're just spend as much it. money on yeah, it. Yeah, so it's perpetual in, right. both, in both segments. If you're doing less of it, then there's less of it. If you're doing more of it, then there's more of it. Right, and in that way, it is a model. Um, just, you know, a model like you would build in, in a spreadsheet in, in Excel. You could say, well, if we have 1,000 hunters who hunt in our county or if we have 1,100 hunters who hunt in our county, how much money do we have? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, sadly for many areas of the country, that number is going from 1,000 down to 950, down to 930. And in some part of that, the number one addressable reason that's happening is because because people say it's hard to find a place to go. And so, yeah, that's that's what we set out to do at Powderhead is to 
to aggregate all the places we could find to go. Um, I think there's something like 750,000 places on our map that are public. Uh, our map that's free for anybody to use and free to download or free to, I'm sorry, not download, free to embed on any website. Which so, you just showed me, so uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. You know, talk about adding so value. So we started there. Cool. Thanks, yeah. Well, and our mission statement is what matters to me most. It's where we started. And that mission is access for all, which to me means uh, probably right in line with the way you think. And that is that uh, we shouldn't have to pay to hunt and fish. If we don't if we don't have a spot and can't go, the worst thing we can do is make people have to pay, um, uh, especially have to pay a lot, because in time, uh, hunting and fishing will become uh, what has happened in Europe, which is what they call the sport of kings, meaning unless you can pay handily uh, to hunt in a place like uh, the United Kingdom or England, you're not going to go. Yeah. And that that would kill our model of conservation in the United States. And so access for all means a lot to me personally, uh, because as a young man, as a college student, I couldn't afford a, a place to go. There's always places to go if you can, you know, shell out the cash, but what about the college kid or what about the guy who's you know, working two jobs and can't chill out the 3500 bucks for a lease, you know? So, no, that's, that's spot uh, on, that, man. That's, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. So, um, I know we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that too, because I obviously want to know how, how people can use this, how it functions and how you can help provide access for all. Uh, but one thing that's burning is how did you come up with the name powder hook? Where did that come from? <laughs> that's a funny deal. We, so when, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife's been a big part of, of my career. Um, she helped me do the books in my first business when I couldn't afford to pay anybody and and uh, has helped uh, by having a full-time job while I started Powderhook. She's helped us be able to make uh, the investments we made into Powderhook and keep going. And, and so, uh, strangely, uh, the name came from her. She, uh, we, we were thinking about starting all kinds of different things. I'm uh, an idea person, so... Um, and business ideas have never really been lost on me. I kind of look around the world and find a problem and try to solve it. And uh, so when we finally agreed that uh, we were going to start a business in the hunting and fishing space, uh, I can remember it so clearly. We were sitting in our basement. She was on the treadmill. And uh, I said, honey, when I when I say gun, what do you say? And she said, powder. And I said, <laughs> I said when I say uh, fish, what do you say? And she said, hook. And not kidding, I Googled powder hook and there was nothing. And I searched on the, you know, state Domain secretary of state's website and trademarks and there was nothing. And five minutes later, we bought every version of the domain and had the trademark process going. And uh, the funny part about that, is, so she named it. The funny part about it is um, in my old agency, the business I started after uh, college, in college, excuse me, that I worked at after college, um, we would get paid through the nose to come up with names for companies and brands and things like that. And probably like yep. you guys do now uh, yep, I can at your company, you know, somebody <laughs> would come and say, you know, we need a name for this new line of our business and here's $20,000 once you figure it out for us. Sounds and we had right. the dang thing. Yeah, we had the dang thing named and URLs purchased and everything in about five minutes, which was kind of fun. Once you have a brand behind it and a, and a, and a tag that makes sense, the name's whatever, you know, it's... But it right, yours yep. works really. It's catchy. It's simple. The brand standard that you have behind it, the visuals, it's cool. It's catchy. It works. Thanks, man. Caught my attention, you know. Good. So uh, yeah, you're doing, well, I you're hope, doing something. I hope right? you and uh, about forty million of your closest friends catch on. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the goal here. I mean, you really 
um, you know, the, the, the mutual benef- benefit of, of being on this particular show is that it is aligned well with um, the audience that, that, you know, the Where to Hunt community. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a good number there, but really it's depth over width for us. There's a lot of people that are highly, highly engaged in, in the Where to Hunt brand. So coming together this way is uh, a great way for you to tout that and to kind of help those people understand what it is they can do to utilize your site um, to find mm-hmm. and or access land. It's not, it is national. It's um, when I was reading it, it seemed like, oh, if I want to go to, um, you know, the Western part of the, the, the state to go hunt elk or something to that nature, like, and would it would be, what's the state I'm thinking with a, with a W over there. I can't think of right Wyoming. Now. Wyoming, Wyoming. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. So if I want to go to Wyoming, um, I could maybe use your site to help me somehow. Right. Yeah. We yeah. have, so we have public hunting, uh, in all 50 states and then we have private hunting, um, on private ground or with an outfitter guide or lodge in all 50 states and 30 countries. So for the most wow. part, okay, so even uh, you know, if you're looking for, yeah, if you're looking for something to do, there's a really good chance that we can help you. Now, uh, we're just getting to the place in our business plan where we will hopefully be able to really help you and turn, turn the dial up a little bit. And that is, uh, what we're trying to do is unlock more private ground, uh, whether that's unlock it by getting private uh, individuals to participate in public hunting programs or uh, by directly um, leasing uh, by day to people who would otherwise um, not be able to pay for an annual lease. So That's a pretty cool, that's uh, a pretty cool concept. Oh, man, it works so well in other areas. Like you guys... You've heard of Airbnb or yeah, yeah, Uber, or you know, the concept. VBRO or whatever, vacation rental yeah. by owner. Yeah, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. So the, the concept is really easy, and if you shut your eyes, you can imagine a world in which you would get on a, a website and find a private piece of land, pay your 100 bucks, and go. And in many cases, it works pretty well, like a duck blind, as an example, somebody running a commercial duck blind. Mm-hmm. You can pay your 100 bucks and go shoot ducks. That's pretty fun. And it's pretty approachable. You know, a guy's going to spend that playing golf and, you know, for a Yeah, there's definitely value in that, in that spend for sure. Okay, 100 bucks, great, done. I don't have to think about it, I have to deal right. with it. I'm, I'm out there, sounds great. Yeah. Right. The challenge with that model, the challenges with that model are many. Um, and it's been the, the hardest thing I've ever worked on in my life by a wide margin is figuring out the best way to approach that. You can imagine our conversations from Lincoln, Nebraska, with a landowner in Wisconsin. First question is, why the hell are you calling me from Nebraska? <laughs> you know, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, and then, you know, the questions of liability and the questions of who's on my land and what are they doing are things that we've overcome with uh, our product. But where the rubber really has met the road for us is in two fronts. Um, number one, uh, can we, at a day rate, make it financially worth a landowner's time and trouble to open up access. And that's something that nobody widely used, that I've ever think seen. So, you know, if it's a widely used thing and you have the audience for it, yeah, it'd be a no brainer, you but think. you're right. The logistics are rough. Well, and it, it, we've made the logistics fairly easy, but the, the math goes like this for a landowner. You know, you're, you own a section of ground, 640 acres in Wisconsin, that, that land today is probably worth, you know, six and a half million dollars. And so what the landowners are asking themselves is, you know, is making a couple thousand dollars a year, a couple hundred dollars here or there worth the trouble of having to meet somebody or, you know, not knowing if they're going to be there at noon or at, at 7 a.m. And, 
and that's really where we've hit the snags in gathering um, the private land. It's not we can overcome the insurance part uh, with an insurance product we've created. We can overcome the telling the landowner when you're going to be there problem. The real rub of unlocking access is economics. It's can we make the landowner enough money to make it worthwhile. Yeah, that's kind of the name of the tra- game out there. I guess it's all it comes down to the right, bottom but, line, period. Right. But yeah. you can't make it so expensive that you you violate your mission, right? So you're you're setting out to unlock access for all. Access for all is the mission. So our job is to try and minimize the rate <laughs> for a day of field, yeah. yet provide enough incentive to a landowner to where uh, they'll, they'll go through the trouble of, of using our platform. Yeah. So that's, that's problem number one. And man, if somebody on listening to this show has good ideas for how to solve that, uh, we have run all the brain power we can at that thing. And, and we're getting there. Uh, it's just, that's a nasty one. I got to say is, off the top of my head, I have um, stealing from another business. <laughs> Uber is um, interesting because it's user generated uh, reviews. So as a, as a passenger of Uber, I rate the driver. As a driver of Uber, I rate the passenger. Right. So if I get picked up and I'm some drunken slob and I puke all over this guy's car, he's going to give me a bad rating. The next guy's not really going to want to pick me up, so I might want to think twice about how I behave in that ride. You know, So right. if you have some sort of rating system where I'm the guy hunting the land, I rate the owner as easy to work with. He was very um, you know, diligent in getting me to where I need to be, yada, yada, whatever, and vice versa. Hey, this hunter didn't litter on my land. They took good care of the thing. They were in and out. I didn't even know they were there. They respected the property, right. good rating. You know, kind of so that's, that's a but... fundamental, you're dead right. That was actually the exact thing I was going to bring up is that that feedback system or feedback loop, as they call them in the marketplace business, uh, is essential to perpetuating a marketplace. So if we get a piece of land and a landowner on board and he charges 300 bucks for your group of guys to go sit for deer for the day or whatever, um, and you have a good experience, What's going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. You repeat. Well, in theory, you repeat it. Yeah, you would tell other people. But but our experience has been that if I find you a good place to go, the last thing you're going to do is tell anybody it's a good place to go. And that, yeah, I guess this is the one of the few industries where that would be sheltered. Like I'm not telling anybody about this thing I got going on. Right. I mean, think about if you go catch a limit of walleye, right? Like, who are you going to tell? Yeah, where'd you catch those? Oh, on the upper lip. Yeah, where'd you shoot yeah, that thing? Exactly. In the heart? <laughs> that's, <laughs> exactly. that's about it. And so that's been the second, outside of the economics, the second part has been that feedback loop has been really, really tough to get going. Yeah. And again, there, you know, you you said it really well. Well, our thought has been, well, why don't you just rate the landowner as a service provider? Don't rate the hunt. Don't rate the land. Um, and there's some there's something to be said for that, but getting that uh, feedback loop to be self perpetuating has been a really big challenge for yeah, us so far. Mm-hmm. So, and over and over and over again, people are like, "Well, geez, I had a great hunt. I'm not going to tell anyone about it." That's too bad. <laughs> well, well here as, it, as it stands right now, um, the other what are the other things that the site does to help? I mean, even even like. You have events, you have groups, you have trips. How does some of that stuff function for someone like myself? If I were to jump on there right now and I'm looking to plan a hunt, sure, yeah. You know, for this coming season, for November, for a gun, which is where I would involve more people. Uh, what kind of things can I do? So our tools are designed for a user to use for free. Um, the point is, you can come on there and you can create a group, create an event, create a spot, or create a trip. And 
what we're trying to do is present to hunters and anglers all of the stuff they can do in an area. So if if we're year out of Wisconsin, you plan the um, Ducks Unlimited Banquet, and you're uh, active in a, in a hunting club and you need a new member, and you have a spot that you're willing to uh, sell on a day rate, and uh, you're planning a trip in which you want to invite a couple guys that uh, might or might not come. Our platform is designed for you to do each of those. And the cool thing over time, I think, where we're going is then as a user, I can jump on and I can see I can see all of what's available to me in the hunting and fishing space uh, in terms of places to go and things to do in one spot. So I guess that kind of harkens back to the way I live life as an outdoorsman is, you know, I like let's take August as an example. I've fished a couple times in August, but I'm as likely to go to like a Ducks Unlimited banquet or an NWTF banquet this month as I am to actually get out and hunt or fish. Right. And there is no place to go to find that stuff. And so that's what we're trying to build. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of cool. Like, what, yeah, what are the things I can go to outside of trying to find local events, which even that's tough, you know, because Google mm-hmm. only indexes a website, what, every two weeks? So maybe it's not organically ranking unless it's been publicized some other way. If I know I can just go here right. to this hub and I can figure out what's happening, yeah, if you reach out to enough people, that's a great way to do it. It's kind of cool. Right. Um, so in, t- in time, we hope to be able to present people with those options. Um, you know, where we're at today is more than likely in your area. There may, be, there may be a couple of events and maybe a group or two and definitely a lot of public land. Uh, but it takes some time to get there. Yeah. Well, that, no, and I think you have, you have great, great plans. And I I've believe fully that you'll, you'll get to where you're going with this thing based on some of the things you've, you've told me before. You know, we started this thing, this conversation. But going back to the map side of it, I'm just um, curious how many, how many um, private, r- roughly, I don't know, I'm looking for an exact number, but how many private land um, owners are providing you with access for other hunters currently? I have about 320 nationwide uh, with a total of about 3,400 listings. So, um, not a, I mean, when you think about nationally, that isn't a lot. Um, it's the part that we've got to, figure out a way to crack for sure it's not bad though it's a good story uh, it's, serious enough it's are you start. so so with something like that because it's not the day-to-day thing currently um h- what does it look like if i were to say i want to go down to texas i'm going to shoot whatever is popular shooting texas for for lack of better um <laughs> analogy but is there, if i think texas is the one place in the country you can shoot just about everything yeah, i guess so yeah maybe i want to shoot an alligator <laughs> i guess or an <laughs> A lion, or a, I mean, they have ever you know anything in Texas on all their private game farms and stuff. Crazy man, it's hot climate. But if I want, if I were to go do that, and you have a private land owner down there that's agreed to the terms and and so on and so forth, you hook me up with that. On average, is there is there an average amount that I can expect aside from like you know um, traveling there and and you know expense for that? Like sure, yeah. Uh, really, really depends on what specifically you're hunting. Um, you know, maybe your yeah, so if, if you're going to use somebody's ground for a duck hunt, uh, like we said, you know, 100 to 150 bucks a day per guy. Um, turkey hunts are a little more than that, uh, upwards of double that. Deer hunts, you're probably in a triple range. Um, so it really depends. There's, you know, and I, part of the North American model predicates that animals should not have a value, mm-hmm. um, meaning you shouldn't be able to buy and sell animals. 
Yeah, it should and be I the totally experience. It should be the experience that in my in my mind, like you're buying an experience. Yeah. And each animal right, provides are. a different experience. So if that's what you want to yep. go after, then then yeah, it costs whatever it costs for that experience. Right. Well, and that's that's the point, right? Is that the market value of a deer, whether we want to admit it or not, is higher than the market value of a limited duck. Yeah. Just is. <laughs> Takes more to gut a deer than a duck, and, huh? <laughs> right. And it, you know, just it's a more precious commodity. Yeah. Um, I hate to say, I don't mean more precious as in I value it more, but more precious as in people will pay more for for that experience mm-hmm. than they will for a, you know, one of the pheasants, as an example. That's an interesting thing. That makes sense, though. Um, i trying to think if there's anything, and we've covered a lot of ground pretty quick here, which I figured would happen just conversationally, which is kind of what I go after, is not so much of a bullet-pointed approach, but just to kind of let the conversation dictate what we're talking about here. But I... I, I Imagine, you know, people ought to use your website. It seems like it's a no-brainer. It's free, first of all. There's a map that shows you where where you can hunt publicly, public land access, as well as the private land access. The more people that come to this thing, the more that there's going to be to use um, and access. So it would make sense to get on there and tell people about it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I'm here today. It's just, you know, day by day, we just got to tell the story and... Um, you know, do what we can do to aggregate all the things we can do and the places we can hunt and, you know, let the chips fall on where they may in many ways because I, we have the right plan. Uh, we're doing the right thing. I think we're doing it in a way that honors uh, land and animal. And, you know, time will tell us if this can be done in the outdoors. It's a, it's a great, big, hairy, ugly, nasty problem. Yep. Um, yep. It's way, way harder than I thought. And I'm all about helping, helping any, any little way that I possibly can, because I, I believe access for all, man. We're, we're dealing with something interesting in Wisconsin right now on a small side, um, which is when I go to buy, and I just did this the other day, I bought my gun tags a little bit earlier. Um, oh, I'm getting my bow tags too. I'm just trying to figure out what county I'm going to be hunting in. I still haven't quite figured yeah. it out. But I, I go to buy my tags and there's, for the county we're hunting, it's by county, there's 250 public tags for for public land access being sold mm-hmm. um however if i'm a private landowner they're offering 2550 tags for private land access seems huh. a little strange there seems to be some sort of theory that it's an effort to help um kind of replenish our herd here in the state that if you are a private landowner likely was the case a couple of years ago or throughout the last few years that we had earn a buck so you would go on public land mm-hmm. shoot a doe go back to private land get your extra buck tag and then you get two bucks on your private land I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true or not, um, but it seems to me more like that that England model. Like, if you have private land, we're going to sell a whole lot of a whole lot of tags. If you're on public, eh, not not so much. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't want well, to see well, it go that way at all. I want I want people to be able to hunt. You know. Yeah, I agree with you. What's interesting is um, one of the one of the big challenges our industry has is really well-meaning biologists came up with that program. And in all likelihood, it's a good one. It probably did its job from a biology standpoint. But at some point, our industry has to decide whether or not or to figure out how to play the, the customer side of this business a little bit better. Because what you just described to me, uh, it probably sounded really clear to you, but for somebody that doesn't live in that system, that sounded extremely confusing. Yeah, the perception is the, awfully bad. It doesn't look good, regardless right. of whatever the reason it. is. So, yeah, someone has think some explaining it. to do. Right, explain earn a buck to somebody who's trying to get into deer hunting. They'd look at you like you had four eyes, right? I mean, 
that stuff, we have to figure out as an industry a way to make that stuff simpler. Not simpler at the expense of quality management, but simpler in terms of, man, how do we make it easy to, to get that license? Well, maybe, you know, what if I don't know where I'm going to hunt for crazy? <laughs> you know what? There's just so much of that that happens, in, and it happens in all states, and in most states it happens differently in various regions of the state, like you just talked about. And so that's some of the, the thought leadership we're trying to bring to the industry is from a customer's perspective, that's not good enough. Yeah, it's, it's all, it yeah, it is definitely interesting. It can't be that ugly. It's hard for it someone like be. me to try to understand. When I mean, I have to kind of put some attention towards understanding what's happening this season. For a newcomer, if I was just getting into this, I throw my hands it's up. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Okay, right. I'm not gonna. I guess I'm not gonna hunt. That's just not something I'm gonna right. do. You know. So unless you have that upbringing or someone that's overly willing to bring you into that stuff, um, it's yeah, you're not simply just getting there on your own. I don't think not easily, and that's gotta change. Yep, completely agree with you. Yep. Well, cool, man. I, I thank you for for being a guest on the show. Um, I try to yeah, keep hey, the interviews under I half. Yeah, I have hour, one more so. thing to tell. Yeah, go nuts. Can I yeah, tell you please, one more thing absolutely. real quick. Sorry. Yes. I, so this is total self promotion today but um, it, we just launched yes, a deer hunting we just launched our deer hunting app today really <laughs> and, i was gonna uh, ask you too i forgot actually i want to ask if you were planning on taking this mobile well it, so far we haven't taken powder of proper mobile um remember earlier in the conversation that i was telling you about how we get users to give us feedback yeah um what we've, what we've done is we've created apps specific to various types of hunting that do include our public lands uh it's a little upgrade in the app but the app is free um, and what it does is it creates a heat map of the deer activity in an area. Mm-hmm. We just launched it today, which is why I'm shamelessly promoting it. Uh, it's called Deer Tracker. Uh, it's in the App Store and Google Play. And uh, we built it in partnership with Cabela's, Sitka, Bushnell, Hunting Lease Network, and QDMA. So it's kind of the, the right team of people to have involved. And uh, we're really excited about it. So I hope your or your listeners will check it out. Uh, DeerTrackerApp.com is the website. So DeerTracker.com is the website. DeerTrackerApp. Yeah, DeerTrackerApp. Okay. Got it. And if I go to the app store, is there a particular way you have to search for it if it's not fully optimized yet? Uh, just DeerTracker. Pull it yeah, up. I should yep. pull up that way. Cool. Yeah, I've, I've battled yep. with that myself <laughs> trying to show up in yeah. spaces. So I understand it's important to tell people the right thing to type in. That's pretty exciting. That's really exciting, actually. I'll have to use it. For sure. Excellent. Yeah, so that, that feedback, that heat map that we create, eventually will layer back over our access map. So you, we won't tell you, hey, this is a great piece of ground to hunt, but we will be able to say, hey, this area is producing deer, and, you know, deer activity this time of year and stuff like that. So it's a little bit different way of getting that feedback loop going. Yeah, well, that's important. It's, it's like the digital version of boots on the ground, you know. It's a huge thing that I strive right. for on this side is – you know, the best way to figure out what's going on is just talk to people and having that, that community of people that come together that, that kind of harbor that, it's kind of nice. So this is a nice way to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I'm check it out. using that. Yep. Very Thanks, cool. Man. And then where can people find where can people find you uh, via Powder Hook? Like, do you have a Facebook, a Twitter, or email, all that stuff for questions, things of that nature? Yeah, you bet. We've got all of that. Um, the best resource for somebody looking for a place to hunt would be powderhook.com slash map. Or you can just go to powderhook.com and click on the little map icon up at the top. Uh, and then, yeah, we're a powder hook at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, uh, WhatsApp. I don't know. All of them. All of them. <laughs> cool. All the places where you would go. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to, to you know, be on the show. And usually I say thanks for taking the time to be, you know, take, take, taking the time out of the woods <laughs> if you were outside yeah. today, you know. Well, I would, would be outside today. It's the 
beautiful day, but I'm not sure what you can do other than scout. Um, uh, what is today? August 24. Yeah, yeah, we're getting real close. When does your season start over there in Nebraska? Uh, September 15th is archery season. Cool. We're September. But 12th, my so season, right my season, the annual holiday is September 1st for the dove hunt. Oh, very cool. 15 very years cool. running with the same group of guys. So that's hard fun. to do. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, camaraderie. It's hard to pull off 15 years in a row if people get older, families and such. Yeah. Very cool. uh, a week from Tuesday, but who's counting? Who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have a great one. We'll, we'll stay in touch. Thanks, man. Take care. Yep. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download today. If you made it this far in the episode, I want to say thank you for your listenership and support. It would mean a ton to me if you could give me a a rating on iTunes. I would love to hear your feedback. Additionally, I would love to hear any stories or scenarios that you have with uh, access to any type of land your experiences with leasing, with traveling to hunt, going out of state, um, scenarios where maybe you you hunted conservancy land, won a, a lottery or something to that effect, and anything that's relative to this particular topic, would like to hear more about either how easy it was or how difficult it was, or anyone you know that did get out of hunting for the reason of uh, un- an, an inability to access land, or, or people that, you know, obviously there's enough of us out there that are hunting, so we've worked our way through it just fine. Do you find it to be a difficult process, and uh, do you think there's a lot of value in what Powderhook's offering? Because I sure do. I think it's fantastic, really. I think they're doing a great job, and they stand to do a, a lot more in this industry to get people into hunting. So, again, thanks for, your, thanks for, for listening, and I appreciate any feedback. Have a great day and hunt public. Mm-hmm.